What's up, guys? This is Mike from the Made in China podcast. We are back with another installment of a decade in review. In this episode, we're going to break from discussing our normal topics、uh, about China and manufacturing, and we're going to get some insight into Rico's top ten musical albums of the decade. Rico's a big-time music nerd, so I'm sure he's going to have a lot of in-depth analysis, and we can definitely expect. To hear a lot about Toronto and Drake—that's my pre-episode diagnosis. All right, guys, sit back and enjoy. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Yeah, so、uh, yeah, I'll definitely definitely touch on, on the T dot on the six T O. Well, first of all, I just wanted to one caveat is it, it's not just dec- it's not just albums because albums is very difficult to do. Some of it is because, like for example, with like, you know certain artists, I have like three four albums that came out this year. So we doing so we doing artists of the decade. It's it's a combination of both. It, okay. Some are just artists. Some are or decade. But、uh, we're focusing、albums. on work from this decade. Yeah, from 2010 to 2019.、Um, so some some artists like I mean I might just love like five songs, but the five songs hit me like really deeply. You know? Lay it on me, man. Lay it on me. Four years. One thing I was gonna say is one in compiling this list, right? Like one thing I noticed was that there's a transition from 2010, like the first three four years. There was a heavy focus on hip hop for me, and a heavy focus on albums. Okay.、Uh, in the last, from 2015 to now, there's been less of a focus on albums. It's been more singles and playlists. Well, doesn't that kind of directly correspond with the way the music industry? With、talks? what's going on, exactly, exactly. And I, and I listen to a lot of like podcasts about that talk about this stuff. Yeah, and、uh, it's it's very interesting to see like even my, the way I behave with my the way I consume you know music has changed. Like I don't. I don't. I like. I don't really listen to albums that much unless it's my favorite artist. For sure. I mean? Like it's more. Well, unless I hear a rave review about an album, I won't necessarily seek out albums.、Um, but I listen to singles all the time. I have a million different like playlists with like thousands, hundreds of different songs from hundreds of different artists. So I don't even know the names of the artists, you know. Yeah. And so, and then some of these songs are songs that I love like really deeply. But it was, it was interesting to to see that when I was making this list. All right, so. I, I split up the list into basically two sections.、Um, there's hip hop, pop, which hip hop is now pop,、um, and then there's alternative and house.、Um, so when I tell alternative, it's a little bit like alternative rock, and then house, obviously deep house. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start off just going down through the the list of artists, and、uh, and then I'll start to you know go back and and break it down. So this is in no particular order.、Um, so we have Drake,、um, 
you know, some some noteworthy albums. Nothing was the same. If you're reading this, it's too late. Take care. More life. Uh, I I almost put uh, Scorpion there, but like I'm one of those people where it's like I need to sit with an album for a couple of years before I I deem it to be you know something that is like a classic for me. And then Kendrick Lamar, uh, Section 80, Good Kid, Mad City, Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Kid Cudi, Rager, uh, Jay Z, 444, Watch the Throne with Kanye, of course, J Cole, Friday Night Lights, uh, Childish Gambino. I'm just a rapper one and two, but uh, I think I was referencing two here. And then Cul-de-Sac and Camp, Chris Brown, Beautiful People, The Game, uh, The Red Album, and Born to Rap, which just came out like uh, two months ago. Uh, Nas and Damian Marley, Distant Relatives, Rick Ross, Teflon Don, Mastermind, Tyler the Creator, Goblin. And, and then this transitions into Alternative and House. Adventure Club, uh, this is where the shift changes from albums to like singles. So Adventure Clubs, Lullabies, uh, Youth, Bag Raiders, Bag Raiders album, uh, Shooting Stars is a noteworthy track. Robin Blix, who's a, who's a DJ, uh, he's got like this series of, of uh, Deep House playlists called Poolside Volume. So there's Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3, obviously uh, going up to Volume 10, I think. Um, Zimmer and he's got Zimmer tape series he's a DJ but he also makes his own original stuff but he makes playlists as well so the Zimmer tape series is a good entry point Samantha James subconscious uh, album Black Mill Let It Be is one of the tracks Uh, Calvin Harris uh, pretty much anything by Calvin Harris Uh, DJ Snake Encore album Excision um, Achillea is, is one of the tracks that I love Major Laser, almost anything by Major Laser. Miami, Miami Horror, Illumination Album, uh, Summer Sun is a noteworthy track. And then RAC, Drifting, RAC Mix. And there's a couple other tracks that I love from them as well. I have some honorable mentions that I've, I will mention at the end uh, of the podcast. Um, so yeah, let's, let's jump back into it. Before I jump into my list, I know, Mike, you've seen the list. Did you have any overall opinions on, on on the list here like what percentage of the artists are you familiar with i know the hip-hop artists you know everybody there but let me um let me hit it I'm real sure quick let me, hit, let me just look at, look at it real quick um hip-hop um okay i haven't spent significant time listening to tyler the creator i definitely don't think i would ever have Chris Brown or Rick Ross in my top, my tops under any circumstance. But I think other than that, I like a lot of your picks and there'll be a lot of crossover with mine as far as the hip hop goes. And then house, I don't think you're, you don't listen to that much house music though. I don't know. Barely any, to be honest. I I might even just know only a couple of names on that list. Somebody like Odessa was on your honorable mentions. I listened to them, but yeah, you're going to have a lot more in-depth analysis on, on the house side of things. Okay, cool. So uh, let me start. I'm going to Drake will go last. <laughs> just because I know that's going to be a, a longer longer conversation. That should be its own separate uh, podcast is Rico's love affair with Drake. <laughs> you know, six fun. Um So, okay, let's start with Section 80 from Kendrick Lamar. Uh, 
Section 80, high power. Visions of Martin Luther staring at me. Malcolm X put the hex on my future, someone catch me. I'm So I discovered Kendrick before he was like famous. Uh, it's a, it's interesting. I think I discovered Kendrick because I was following a, this is back in college when I used to like spend a lot of time on hip hop like uh, like mixtape blogs. Um, like that piff and, and things like that so i used to this is before the days of spotify and shit right? so like i used to actually spend hours out of my day and i wasn't running a company or anything so i was like this was my free time i'd spend hours out of the day just searching for new music and um you know one of my friends also came to see me in toronto and he showed me high power the the music video with kendrick and and it was just like dope beat amazing lyrics and also a political message and i was like who who is this guy you know there was just like an immediate like this dude is so different from everybody that's out right now one of his best songs and then i just yeah and uh you know i mean at that time i i considered myself like a like a backpack you know <laughs> hip-hop fan so i was like oh yeah this is this is the, this is that real hip-hop you know what I mean? like it was that kind of thing this is that real. this is the this is way because I mean I think only a couple of years prior to that, Nas said hip hop was dead. So I was like, I was like, yeah, this is that real. So anyways, I started going deep into him, and at the same time, uh, J Cole as well. I was, I was getting deep into J Cole. So Section Eighty, man, like when he actually released it, like High Power came out, and then I listened to his other mixtapes and stuff. But when Section Eighty came out, it was just a time when I was in. Like this is second year of college and I was living in the basement of a gay dude's house who was my landlord previously. <laughs> like he was basically the property manager for the, the apartment that I was staying in. Yeah. Why is him and, being gay relevant to the story? Because I hadn't I hadn't like interacted with like at the time, I was like, oh, I was like 18. Yeah, I was like 18. I hadn't interacted with a lot of uh, people that were gay at that time. So, so you, it was kind so of you like decided to, to just throw yourself in as deep as possible by moving into a gay dude's basement. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily that. It was more like I remember when he he when I when I didn't know that he was gay, and then when he was like, "Hey, man, uh, I have a room. I know that you like my roommates were all moving to different places." And he's like, I have a room. Do you want to live with me? And and I was like, yeah, no problem. And then he was like, I have to let you know that I'm gay. And I was like, why is that an issue? You know what I mean? So I was like, so that was my that was the reason why. Like in my mind, I always have that thing of like, you know, the the, the gay guy that I lived with because he made it a big deal for me. And he was like a very conservative. He like if you met, if you saw him, he was like a conservative like farmer Canadian guy. Okay. He did, and he was like in his fifties. He did not look like, you know, somebody that you you would you know stereotypically think is gay or anything like that. And he conducted himself like that. So I think he was more embarrassed about him being. He was more shy about him being gay than I was. Okay. So that was always like a you know a, a joke that I had between him and, and myself. But I was just like I was I was living very cheaply, living in this basement and listening to a lot of like underground hip hop music. And also becoming a little bit more politically and socially conscious about the world through hip hop. So coming across Kendrick uh, Section 80 was amazing. 
and and those were just I was like when he came out I was like man like Drake Drake should be worried man so Kendrick might be uh, <laughs> might be coming for the crown here you know what I mean uh, yeah so uh, some noteworthy would be high power uh, there's a, there's a couple other tracks I'm gonna jump into my iTunes real quick and just mention maybe one more song before I move on section 80 uh high power is obviously the main one and then i would say no makeup at the time i was uh i was a little bit more emo so no makeup was like a sort of like women's anthem talking about girls being more natural and uh just not caring too much about what other people are thinking and that kind of stuff and, and also Liga Mortis, which I just thought had an amazing beat. And if you're talking about bars, bars, like, like just real hip hop, uh, Liga Mortis was, was amazing. And then, of course, Kendrick's first album, um, Good Kid, Mad City. <sighs> what can you say about that? That's a, that's a hip hop classic, like that's solidified. Uh, I mean, the whole concept of the album is him talking about him being just a normal kid who's in a very difficult part of the world being compted and being surrounded by you know drug dealers and gang violence and simultaneously dipping his toe into that world but at the same time trying to remain himself and the people around him also recognizing that he had talent in in the music space and not wanting him to 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 go too deeply into their world, and just from a and from a concept, it's like a it's like a it's like a blockbuster movie, you know, like you know what I mean. It's like a it's like a Scorsese movie in a hip hop album, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic album. Um, what what are your thoughts on on Good Kid, Mad City? Um, yeah, I don't want to get into it too much because I got to do my own. Uh, my own breakdown of my decade in review. But <laughs> Yeah, but I mean if we if we talk about it now, you don't have to talk about it in yours. Like <laughs> it's like why why would they have the same discussion about the album? Twice? No, I, I I think um your comment about about Nas and just the, the, the changing environment of hip hop and you know the uh, the lean drinking mumble rappers are all kind of coming carbon copy. And then something like this drops and it's just so obviously different. And then I know it wasn't on that specific album, but I always, and I quite a bit later, if I'm not mistaken, but just his verse on, on the on control. Yeah. It's just like, he's on another level. Man. And you can, you can tell that this dude is just one of these guys like, you know, Lil Wayne or Drake, they're just, they're just possessed. They're possessed. Like yeah. You can tell that, that they have unbelievable talent, but not only that, just an unparalleled work ethic. And that's one thing about him. And he, he started touring with that album. And this was before he went bananas, before he was as big as he is now. But I think Drake, Drake actually put him on uh, his tour off of Drake's second album. He uh-huh. put Kendrick on tour. Okay. And Kendrick was touring uh, Good Kid, Mad City, but before he became big, you know? Yeah, and he uh, did a show. So that was he, his... he did a show when I was in China in Hong Kong, and I really regret not going, but a bunch of my friends went. And it was billed as a Dr. Dre and 
uh, Kendrick Lamar show, and my buddies told me that Dre didn't do anything. He just sat in the booth with this chick the whole time. And it was a really tight concert, and they're just like, yo, this dude is, he's possessed. Like, that's just what everybody said. He's just yeah. like, he put on the greatest show, and you could just tell that, you know, you just, you know when somebody has a different level of talent, number one, and then just yeah. like an unparalleled work, at, at work ethic, you know, like like watching Giannis Antetokounmpo play basketball. Like, yeah, he's a freak, and, you know, he's parallel to none in terms of his talent level, but, you know, this dude works his ass off. Kendrick is like if we're talking about it from a so uh, from from basketball for sure. If we're talking about it from a soccer standpoint, he's like Lionel Messi. You know, it's like this is what he was born to do. He's like a savant when it comes to hip hop. You know, um, and what I loved as well was the tr the progression from Section 80 to Good Kid, Mad City. So for those who don't know, Section 80 was like technically a uh, a mixtape, but it was an album. Um, and then Good Kid, Mad City was his first album on a major label, uh, produced by Dr. Dre and stuff. But you could see the growth um, from a music standpoint, but also from like his rapping ability and song crafting and storytelling, um, which which was awesome to see. Um, and then next was My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. This is a it's interesting now because like with Kanye, it's like man like. My opinion on Kanye has changed so dramatically in the last three, four years because of all the nonsense, <laughs> like with from a from a political standpoint, um, that it kind of like sours my like I I don't listen to his new music like uh, that's how like I just I don't like him as a person so I don't listen to his new music at all um, unless I have to like there's certain songs that just kind of transcend so I end up having to listen to him but. My beautiful dark twisted fantasy, man. Like, this was again during this time period where I'm in college and a lot of my time, my free time, outside of uh, outside of studying, I also wasn't dating that much around this time. Uh, I was still making friends in, in in school, so a lot of my free time was spent around music. And I just remember, like, I'd gone back into Kanye's discography. I'd been listening to his stuff and getting a new appreciation for him and this was a year after the the Taylor Swift thing that happened at the VMAs and everybody in school had been like fuck Kanye West like and I was like you do you you guys don't even know Taylor Swift like personally like and I was like what are you like you're so you feel so strongly about this situation like I didn't feel either or you know what I mean I really didn't care like I was like it happened it is what it is I don't know Taylor Swift I don't know Kanye West so why would I pick a side because um, like, yeah it probably wasn't the best moment for him to do that but I just remember like everybody in school being like Kanye West is the piece of shit and, all that. and then uh, Power came out and uh, that single where he was just basically like flipping this whole idea of him being an asshole and just being like yeah I'm an asshole so like what what are you guys gonna do about it and I just love that because then it was like all the people that were saying he was an asshole and, and didn't like him all of a sudden became you know his fan like you know and, and, and he just flipped the whole script and then from beyond that like uh, besides him being able to flip the narrative and make a comeback I just really love the production of that album. Like, I felt like 
it was his Quincy Jones uh, moment where he's bringing together all the elements that he's learned from the previous three, four albums and taking all of his major connections uh, and taking the personal pain that he had in his life from the Taylor Swift situation, from his mother dying, um, from breaking up with, I think it was Amber Rose at the time, uh, and, you know, putting it together into one album. And then, you know, one major song from that album was uh, All of the Lights. And it was just like, he brought together like Elton West, uh, Elton John, sorry, um, Rihanna. It was like, a, I don't know how many artists they put together in that, that song, Kid Cudi, like it was just all this stuff into the track and and then of course he also released like a, a like a movie with with the album and I was just I was fully into it and I was like I was I was I was at the time I was like Kanye West is the most brilliant artist of our generation like I was just you know completely completely immersed into that world um, so yeah I mean what are your what are your opinions on that and uh, I would love you to talk for like a couple of minutes while I charge my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when 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 I go into my stuff, I'll talk in more in depth about Kanye because obviously, um, me being really into hip hop and being from Chicago, obviously, Kanye is one of my top artists. That particular album was great. I think I like a lot. I like so much of his stuff, but anything before 808s is is like one of the top albums for me uh, i can remember specifically he had a before college dropout um he had a mixtape that came out in chicago that was pretty similar track list to what you saw on um on college dropout but it came out quite a while before that album was actually released and i think the first song that they started pushing in in Chicago was uh they started coming up on on um what's the station 923 I forget what it's called 923 is the station in WGCI 1075 in Chicago which at the time was how I listened to music rolling around and through the wire came up on the radio and I, I forget where I was I was like I was on the west side somewhere like driving through Humboldt Park or Garfield Park on my way to to like Oak Park area. And I remember that song came on and I didn't really know who he was at the time. And I just remember like when that beat came on and it and then it started banging, I distinctly remember like pulling over my car just so I could listen to the song and pay attention. And it was one of those situations where it was so rarely happened. I remember it happened with uh, Ready or Not by the Fugees back in the day, but it was one of those situations where people just started blowing up the radio station and being like, run it back, run it back, run it back. So you would just hear Drew the Wire playing over and over and over on the same on the same radio station. And I just, I can never remember a song and an artist where I was, I felt I, like I felt it in the music that it it, it, it made sense to, to the area that, that I was in. Like it just felt like where I was. The vibrations and the beat of his music actually felt. You know, I could I could I could feel the the Chicago in it. So yeah, he's had a big Im impact on me, and I, I I love his music. Him as a person is kind of a different conversation. But I gotta yeah, that was that was way before that. Um, I gotta look at the track list for that album. 
Yeah, that album's great. That was after 808s, right? That was right after 808s. It was after 808s. Yeah, that was a great. That was a great album. I gotta look at the track list and know exactly what what it was. But yeah, that was a great album. Blame Game with John Legend. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, that, that actually that's that was arguably one of his best albums. Then. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, I think it's his best album. Like, uh, and the one with John Legend at the end, the, the Chris Rock, <laughs> the Chris Rock skit. Yeah, yeah, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, and you know, yeah, Lost yeah. in the World, like. Um, Devil in a New Dress <laughs> with Rick Ross. Um, and then So, so Appalled uh, with Jay-Z, I'm So Appalled. Like Sahai, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah fantastic, was, fantastic. Yeah, no, it was like this was one of the this was one of the few albums at the time where literally, like, I'm looking at the track list right now, and it's like I could never skip any single track here. Like there was no fat yeah, in the album. That's right. Like literally every single one of these tracks is like a classic track, you know. Um, yeah, and and even just like I said, the rollout with the drama from the year before with Taylor Swift, and and then you know the the, the power you know song and what he was saying and that, and then the actual movie that he produced to the the soundtrack of the album, um, I was just like, yeah, like this dude is is undeniably one of the most talented artists of our generation, you know. Um, all right, so next. Next up is Kid Cudi. So Kid Cudi, I haven't listened as much to his more recent stuff, but I really loved his first al- album, Man on the Moon. But it, that album came out in 2009, so I couldn't keep it. But Mr. R- like Rager. Was, was, you know, the next year. And again, like Mike, I don't know how much you know about this part of my life, but uh, <laughs> I was I was quite emo as a teenager. You were evil? No, I was I was an emo kid. Like I was very emotional. <laughs> so there was Man on the Moon, uh, the Legend of Mr. Ray, uh, Man on the Moon Two, the Legend of Mr. Rager. So I mean, for me, like Kid Cudi spoke to me because he was talking about being you know misunderstood and being lonely and feeling like an outsider and you know just trying to figure out his situation you know like feeling like he didn't have as much guidance from like i think in i think with him specifically like his dad died when he was young um with me it wasn't my dad's obviously still alive but and my dad has given me a lot of guidance in in the sense of like business and, and life as a whole, but not necessarily the emotional aspects of, of becoming a, a man and, and figuring out talking to women and, and, and you know, making friends and, you know, having self-confidence in that, that sense, if that makes sense. So I was like really, like, I really gravitated to the stuff that he was talking about at the time. And I was, I was kind of... A little, a, little, a little sad kid, sorry for myself and stuff back in 2010. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was I was really, really in, in, in love with Kid Cudi. And Mr. Ra- uh, Man on the Moon 2, Mr. Rager, Legend of Mr. Rager. Some of the noteworthy tracks would be, uh, you know, Maniac, um, which is a little bit more up-tempo. But like, if you listen to that, the thing about Kid Cudi is like, he, he might make an up-tempo track, 
But if you listen to the actual lyrics, he's he's talking about certain dark stuff, man. Like it's generally pretty pretty dark content. Um, and then um, marijuana was also was also a pretty cool track at the time. I was I was experimenting, so that 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 kind of was my 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 vibe as well. Uh, <laughs> do, do, do you want to do you want to interject? <laughs> no, I, I was going to. I held my tongue. I was just like I wish. Yeah, go, I, go wish ahead, like, I wish that was still the case, man. <laughs> we, we could. We could have gone down a lot more uh, podcast holes and, 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 and deep conversations, but Rico's uh, been persistent with his with his 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 nose to to my endless requests. Yeah, no, I know, I and mean, I I, uh, I, I, t- I tapped out because yeah, no, it was it was it was it was bad. It was bad. Um, All right, for, for anybody for anybody that's listening, Rico needs to understand that there's different strains that have different effects. And if anybody tried, can, tried, if anybody can co-sign me on that one, you know, help me out. Right, sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that. I just, I tried a lot, and it, it didn't work for me. So, like, and not like that. You know, I, I spent, I spent like a couple of years experimenting. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't quite work out. Um, so yeah, that was a. I mean, did you listen to Kid Cudi around this time in 2010? Did you listen? To uh, Man on the Moon. Yes, I, I. I don't think I've gotten deep into his other stuff. I, I really like the album that him and Kanye did recently. Um, I forgot what they call it. What they call that? Yeah, 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 Kitsy Ghost. That was cool. I like his stuff, but I, I maybe haven't gone into it as much as you have. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Kid Cudi, like I said, those are similar noteworthy no tracks. Jay Z, uh, Watch the Throne. I'll start with Watch the Throne. So, Watch the Throne, I think, came out. I want to say, let me see. Watch the Throne came out, I want to say, two years after my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy or a year afterwards. Yeah, a year afterwards. So, what's interesting is, like, I was in a completely different space. At this stage, like you know, I was like emo, emo, and all that stuff when my beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out, and uh, and Kid Cudi and all that. When Watch Your Throne came out, I was now like going out, you know, meeting different girls. I met like my 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 crew that has now become my best friends, Rohan and Nick and Ryan, and the whole you know Noam and the whole crew that you know. Um, and uh, I was just like, I was just way more confident. And like, so Watch the Throne, I mean, as a conceptual album was just all about like, you know, Jay-Z and Kanye West being the kings of hip hop at the time. And a lot of the tracks were uber confident and, you know, just talking about being the best and, uh, you know, very, very well produced, uh, loved. I loved this album from top to bottom. Like the beats were fucking insane. Um, club tracks they've invented an expression ham right like an expression that I still use to this day like I still talk about going ham you still say going ham is that a cutty is that a cutty thing no it's 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 Jay-Z and Kanye West from Watch the Throne oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right you're right my bad yeah going ham Uh, yeah, so they had Ham, and then like, um, um, so Ham is obviously a, a huge, noteworthy track. And then, uh, 
Inwards in Paris. Uh, that was another track that just like every single time, like when I was going out in Toronto that time period, like if and if that track came on, like people used to go fucking insane. Like, <laughs> like everybody would go bananas, you know? So it was, it was, it was a major part of like my formative years of going out to nightclubs and having fun with my friends and also talking to, to beautiful girls and, you know, and, and partying. So, yeah, I would say uh, those are two tracks from that album that, like, in terms of the party perspective, those are big tracks. And even even those, those tracks are still, like, if you were to go into nightclub today if, and somebody played one of those songs, like, people would still go pretty crazy. And then some of the deeper songs in the album, because that's what I kind of liked is, is the balance between the the fun, clubby-type tracks and then also the more introspective uh, songs. Um one of them was a uh, murder to excellence, which was basically about like uh, the whole concept of the track was just about like black excellence, like you know, encouraging uh, African Americans and black people around the world to like strive to to achieve success and and. and know strive to help other people and you know to kind of carry yourself a certain way and you know um own your own businesses and 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 things like that like just encouraging people to think a little bit differently and think like yeah i can achieve the same levels of success as anybody else if i apply myself a certain way you know um so i really love that and then um there's also frank ocean's track no church in the world which was just an amazing song and Frank Ocean as well I was really getting into him at the time um, he's just a, he's an amazing singer so I, you know those are a couple more introspective songs from that album what do you remember about Watch the Throne? Um, there had to be like five or six hit singles off that yeah it was like there was a ton it was non-stop back to back to back like hit singles like um, I mean those Otis and N-Words in Paris Ham uh, made in America, you know. What year was that? Welcome to the jungle. 2011. Oh, 2011. Yeah, that was definitely yeah. stuff that was when I was when I was in Guangzhou and Hong Kong nightclubs. That's that's definitely what it takes me back to. Is like being in way too many Chinese nightclubs and hearing those songs on repeat every single night. So Jay Z's 444, which came out in 2017, um, are you, did, was this a, a big album for you at all? Or before I, I jump into my no. thoughts, on, not really. No. Why? Just you didn't you didn't listen to it that much, or you, you didn't like it? I mean, again, for me going in depth into my stuff. Um, I think my music intake changed a lot my first four to five years in China, where I was constantly on music websites and uploading, downloading stuff constantly when I was in the States. When I moved to China, that changed a lot because of the internet and my access to certain websites. <clears throat> there was even some years where I wasn't fully integrated with a VPN. Like I was just living Chinese. So, you know, I wasn't on top of my music and on top of new stuff all the time. So 
you know, I would just kind of pick up new music once I went back to the States. Not that Jay-Z is some like new artist or anything, but I just had a dip in my, in my music intake for a while. And, um, yeah, that, that particular album, I can't, I feel like anything before that I might've listened to a few hundred times, but that album, I can't, I, I, I couldn't even think of one song off the album. Yeah. Even 2017 though, like I was like, uh, it's like two years ago. You know? Yeah, I don't even know because his stuff isn't on Spotify. Yeah, all together, and that's how I. T- it is. It is now. It really. It is now as as of his yeah as of his fiftieth birthday. Uh, he he allowed. Yeah, wow. He allowed okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that because he, so, he turned fifty like a month ago. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I mean, I've been taking it. Spotify has been my like my my in Pandora and you know then if somebody recommends something off SoundCloud but that's how I take in music so since he was never on Spotify the only thing I can really remember listening on Spotify would be like uh, the Watch the Throne album to be fair I'm also like uh, I was late to the party as well like because I again going back to the the conversation we're having at the top of the, the pod was like I just I don't necessarily like when new albums come out, I'm not like the first person to listen to those albums. So with 444, obviously it's Jay, so it's like, okay, it's Jay-Z, but I listen to a lot of podcasts that review music or talk about music. And I think it was like the Joe Budden podcast. It was Brilliant Idiots. It was like The Watch. There was like, like, there was like three, four podcasts that I listened to on a regular basis that were just like, 440, 440, 440, and I was like, okay, all right, all right, you know, you know, what I mean, I was like, okay, all right, you know, and then eventually I was like, all right, I'll listen to it. So, um, what I loved about this album was this is the most open that Jay Z's ever been. Like, so the way people talk about it is like, there's Jay Z, then there's Sean Carter, right? Like, this was Sean Carter. You talked about his mom being a lesbian but you know like things like things like that where it's like he was really just opening himself up to the world um you know that beyonce's lemonade was about jay-z cheating on her right yeah so this was sort of he responded to that in this album he addressed it and he apologized to her um and he explained you know his perspective of being like caught up in this, you know, machismo of being, you know, the biggest rapper on the planet. And like, I have to carry myself a certain way. And I think of myself as Jay-Z. And of course I'm Jay-Z. So therefore I should have multiple, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, And then just even breaking down like certain stereotypes about rappers and just talking about how it's all ego and and stupid. And uh, he had one, one, the one track, uh, one of my favorite songs, the story of OJ. I'm sure. I'm, sure I'm, I'm not sure if you have you heard that one. No. The story of OJ. Uh, story of OJ, like story of OJ Simpson, and it starts off as like uh, OJ actually said this in real life. He said, "I'm not black. I'm OJ." <laughs> that's how that's how the track starts and so it's like i'm not black i'm oj and then he goes okay like this is jay-z response like okay like and then the whole track is about 
how you can pretend that you're not black, but you're still black kind of thing. And, and um, society will still remind you that you're black. Um, and then he was talking about a lot of the stupid decisions that, you know, people sometimes, uh, hip-hop artists and stuff make. And then he was also talking about a lot of the stupid decisions that he made. So he talked about, like, Dumbo in New York. He's like, I could have had a, you could have bought a property in Dumbo, I think it was like 15 years ago for like 2 million. And he said he instead bought like some expensive cars and now that place is worth like 15 million dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so he's just like talking about that kind of stuff. And then Kill Jay-Z, uh, which is the opening track, is basically him talking about killing his, his ego and killing Jay-Z as like this alter ego that he has of Jay-Z. He's like just destroying that, you know, that ideal of himself and, and trying to be more himself. Um, and then um, my third favorite track that I think everybody should listen to is 444. 444, the title of the track is him apologizing to Beyonce for, for cheating on her and him sort of explaining um, why he did what he did and, and just like the immaturity and things like that. Like It was just like, it was, it was, it was a very intimate album. Like, it was very shocking to hear Jay-Z talk like this because, I mean, you know, you, you've been listening to Jay-Z for, 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 pro- you know, for probably 20 years. Like, he's like, what, he always presents himself as such a confident, cool, character to have him like sound like sort of like weak and insecure you know like it was weird it was very weird um but also at the same time it was very endearing and it was different because his last two albums before this were him trying to do what he usually does which was like talk about being rich and you know like i'm buying art and in milan and it was like and and everybody was like man like i don't want to hear you talk about Picasso paintings and <laughs> like I was like, damn man, like I can't relate to the stuff that you're talking about at this stage. Um, but yeah, with with 444, he just really bared his soul, and, and it was a it was a phenomenal album. And also, uh, my last point on this is, hip hop is mostly bravado, right? It's like most of hip, and that's a big part of the reason why people love hip hop is the confidence that it gives them when you listen to hip-hop when you're at the gym or in your uh in your daily life you're working you're going to office whatever like people love hip-hop for those reasons but at the same time like somebody like myself sometimes the bravado is a little bit too much because i know that everybody has insecurities and i know that we should also be trying to like talk about like not social issues necessarily, but like just talking about things like investing, you know, making smart investments, uh, trying to start a family and be mature about raising a family. Like these are things that everybody goes through, but we never really talk about. Like mainstream hip hop artists never really talk about that stuff, right? I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. All right, guys, so I hope you enjoyed that episode. That's part one of my favorite music of the decade. Like, as these episodes turned out to be longer than I expected. You know, when you're trying to condense 10 years worth of experience into, <laughs> into like, 
a couple hours. Like, I've got a lot of thoughts, and there's probably more because I think we only did about half of my list in the, in the initial two parts. So I'm gonna have to re-record those. Apologize for the background noise. I'm currently standing in uh, Barawa Beach in Chenggu, Bali, and you know it's, it's almost sunset. It's pretty gorgeous. There's just a lot of going. There's a lot going on on the beach. There's people playing beach soccer, beach soccer right behind me. Uh, kids running around, families, um, and then of course there's the waves, which is what you're hearing right now. One of the biggest things I noticed is the difference between like Boracay and here is like the waves here. This is supposed to be the small to medium-sized waves on the beach that I'm at, just for beginners. But uh, yeah, I mean these are, these are pretty big waves, man. At least from what I'm used to, so that's pretty interesting. But yeah, anyways, um, I hope you enjoyed part one, uh, where we left off, and and uh, yes, in part two we're gonna be finishing up that initial list. I think we talked. The first person I talked about in part two is J Cole, um, and of course, guys, if you like this kind of content, um, you know, give us a five star review on iTunes, follow us on Spotify. Let me know if you want us to do more of these sort of like personal podcasts. Like, I try not to do them too frequently, obviously, because they're not 100% related to made in China stuff. But you know, like, um, if you do want me to do more of this kind of stuff, please, please feel free. So let me know, and I'll see you guys next week. Light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga Rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga Still nigga Still nigga Light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga